So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta? Welcome back to the Active Atlanta podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Swart. And today, guys, we have a really cool guest with us. Uh, this is Coach Andrew Simmons. He runs a, an online and uh, virtual and in-person, even in some, to some various degrees, uh, coaching platform called Lifelong Endurance. Uh, he does some really awesome things that you're just not going to find from your traditional coach. His level of investment is bar none, some of the highest that I've ever seen. Uh, he's an extremely intelligent coach. He works from anyone from elite athletes to your first to the people who are trying to hit their first 5K. He's got a really unique uh, style of coaching. I'm excited to have him on here and for you all to learn a little bit more about what he does. Uh, so without further ado, Coach Andrew, what's up, my man? What's going on, dude? Good to good to be on here. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we got to get together. We had a little fun podcast swap. So I'll uh, yeah. I'll- I'll put it out there for anybody that wants to hear this guy uh, and and uh, and uh, all of his color. Yeah. Uh, we'll have that episode out here by the end of October. We had a, I think we had a pretty fun conversation. We'll tease the people oh, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, dude. We have. I think. I mean, it's it's easy when you get to um, communicate with people on the on similar wavelengths. Uh, people who, it's it's tough, man. It's tough to find coaches who. I mean, uh, who are not only experts at their craft but truly care about the people that they work with. Uh, and when you do, you can see it. You can feel it. Um, and you want to be around those people all the time. So it's easy to get on a podcast or it's easy just to talk shop with people like that. So, uh, yeah, man. So without, uh, with, I, I don't, I don't know. I probably did you a huge disservice, uh, with, with, um, what all you do. So I guess for those listening, could you, uh, just talk about a little bit more about lifelong endurance, maybe your background, how you, how you came about founding lifelong endurance and kind of like why you felt like you needed to start your own company. Oh wow, that's that. There's that's a loaded question, my man. Yeah. I think uh, I think we'll kind of go back to the start. Um, yeah, you know. So my wife and I actually founded it. My wife, uh, her name's Katie Whitten. Um, oh yeah, I know Katie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So when we moved, uh, we moved. We met each other originally in uh, in Michigan. I'm born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I actually got my engineering degree. So background is I'm an engineer. Wow. Um, yep. And, uh, moved out to Colorado actually to take a corporate job. Um, and my wife, not my wife at the time, but my girlfriend at the time, um, yep. moved out with me. And, um, you know, after a year of being here, we thought that, you know, being endurance athletes, uh, that, Hey, you know, we're, we're probably one in a million, both of athletes and coaches that are out here. We both had kind of barely gotten our feet wet, kind of just coaching some friends and doing some light stuff on the side. Um, but never had really taken it seriously. Um, and that was 2013, 2014. We kind of started the business, uh, formally founded an LLC and just both her and I, um, just, just again, kind of building a really small client list, some friends in Michigan. 
Michigan, starting to meet some people in Colorado. Uh, and when we founded the business, uh, and actually both of us eventually by the time 2017 rolled around, we're in the business full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us to make that leap and make that jump, the, the gap that we saw um, and the reason we started the business was we had both had coaches at every level. My wife played D1 basketball, Elon University. Um, I'd had multiple wrestling coaches, um, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu coaches, like a lot of different exposure to a lot of different um, sports and things. And, and what we had found is that we wanted to build a business that was all of the things that we loved. We loved being coached in a really holistic manner that was kind of listening to the needs of people and making kind of their sport fit in their world. And then taking all the things that we didn't like, I didn't like being yelled at in high school and, you know, demeaned and, you know, made to feel really small Mm -hmm. um, and just barked at. And I couldn't question my coaches. I couldn't ask why something was being done. And so we built a business around the idea that, you know, um, and and I'll put this on my gravestone, that coaching is a dialogue and not a dictatorship. That's how I view it. That you should be able to come out and ask me a question. Hey, why are we doing four by a mile, you know, a week and a half out from race day? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's, let's talk about that. So um, in, in building the business, you know, we slowly started to find other people that were about what we are about, uh, that like to coach in a holistic manner, um, and that really kind of see the world in that way. And so to kind of close this out, my education kind of grew in both understanding from the USA track and field kind of formal education side, I have a a focus in endurance. So I Mm -hmm. focus most of my intentions with athletes from about 5k on up to 200 plus mile races. Um, I've coached um, most of the major hundred mile, 200 mile races, but also Boston Marathon, New York Marathon, um, all of the uh, Abbott World Majors, um, and also do a good bit of youth coaching on the side there as well. So long yeah. story short, there's there's a lot there. <laughs> Man, yeah. And such a cool like story too. Like, you know, you go from uh, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu and wrestling uh, to becoming an engineer to starting a running company, you know? Like, uh, it, it sounds like there's like, um, on the surface level, it'd be like, that's that seems random. Uh, but- <laughs> Uh, when you dig into it a little bit more, like you start thinking about, it, it's like, man, not really like BJJ and wrestling. Like you gotta be mainly tough for those, just like you do for, just like you do for running. So there's a, a love for uh, pushing your body and a performance and kind of like the enjoyment of the suffering through the process there. Um, as, and then when you become an engineer, like running is very technical, right? Uh, and you gotta have a, a little bit of like a technical mindset when you start working with these like higher level athletes. So man, what a unique background and combination of skill sets to be able to go off and apply those to a sport like running. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think where I've, I've kind of leveraged my background and my love for data and analytics is, um, I, I started partnering with a group called training peaks. It's actually a software platform, um, that that's what I use to program my workouts for my athletes. So, um, it, it, let's say I was going to train you for a marathon. You're not going to get an Excel sheet from me. Mm-hmm. That's going to go up on your fridge. We're actually going to use your Garmin watch, you know, your Apple smartwatch or whatever it is that you record your run on. Yeah. And I'm actually going to be able to pull metrics from that. I'm going to be able to look at what's your cadence, what's your heart rate, how fast are you going? And that is actually how we, we make decisions. So instead of just quantifying, you know, kind of through this, the lack of, there's a really big gray area that if you just said this was a good run mm-hmm. versus this was a bad run. Yeah. When we don't have data to look at that, um, you know, it, why did you have a bad run? You know, this could be, you were 
really stressed out at work. Maybe, you, you know, you had a, you had a fight with your significant other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could have felt hard because you had a lot of caffeine that day and your heart rate was already really high. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's really hot out and, and it's hard because it's, it's miserable and yeah. it's the middle of a, of a Georgia summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. but then if we have information and if we have data, now we're starting to say, oh, okay, your heart rate was high from the start. And now it allows me as a coach to ask you better questions and actually yeah. kind of help dictate, you know, do we need to adjust the time of day that we run? Mm-hmm. Is it bad for you to run hard workouts on Tuesdays? Because that's the day you usually do your reporting meeting. That's highly stressful for you, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, yeah. So this is where we talk about moving from a, a world of optimizing um, and just having a really small understanding to trying to kind of open this up and really uh, allow data to not maybe always dictate because people can really get like, I got to run this pace yeah, and really optimizing and making sure that we're, we're, we're sticking to some principles of training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. The basics. Yeah, dude, that's super cool, actually. Um, so uh, I, I work with a lot of runners on the injury side. I don't work with them on the performance side. I definitely know like where my lane is and how I can, uh, who I can shoot them off to, to improve like their coaching and technique skill sets, simple stuff, right? Like I know the little things like journal methods with pose running can help out with that for sure. sure. Um, but when it gets like a little, a little bit more technical, I'll definitely have to punt them off to a running coach like yourself. Uh, yeah. I think that that's super cool. How uh, you go more than just uh, like, here's your Excel sheet. Uh, I think like being able to hit a bunch of objective data and, and get that in live time. But then also what I want to talk to you a little bit about, because uh, we talked about this on, the, on our previous podcast, I thought it was super cool that you do this because it's, it's something that a lot of people conceptually want to try to do, but in practice is actually really hard to do. When you take this objective data, uh, so, you know, you're getting all this data from their, from their watch and like you're seeing how their runs are performing and you're getting these trends. <sighs> And then you go from there and then, but then apply that to what their life is like from a subjective uh, standpoint, right? Like what is their, what does their family life look like? What does their personal life look like? What's their job stress look like? All these different pieces of the puzzle to kind of really intertwine with the objective data that you're seeing to give yourself a holistic approach to how you coach an athlete, especially in a digital format. feels like it's a lot more than like what you're saying than just getting an Excel sheet and go up and do these runs. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's part of what goes into creating a sustainable, you know, um, paradigm for athletes. Right. I think one of the things that when we just say, you know, you get a, you get a plan off the internet, right. You can go and run your first half marathon with any plan that you pull off the internet. When we want to move into a world of, you know, performance, we have to start understanding that subjective data, like you said. Um, And we also have to be able to, you know, understand if we are improving, right. It's not always just a pace per mile improvement there. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, once you start, you know, the higher level you go, what I want people to really understand is that we're, we're doing 12 or 16 weeks of work so that you can have a performance on a single day, right? (laughs) Let's say you sign up for, for the Boston marathon, right? Yeah. We're putting in, you know, what, maybe, I mean, how many weeks would that be, right? We're putting in 120 days uh, or more of training so that, you, so that it can line up to one really good day, mm-hmm. right? And we hope that, you know, we, we've done enough about your nutrition. And this isn't just how many vegetables do you eat, but like, can you consume enough calories? Uh, mm-hmm. Have we done specific preparation if it's a hilly course? Yeah. Um, you know, do we, do we know that you're able to, to manage that? Um, so it's not just a pace per mile thing. There's just a, it becomes a lot 
lot bigger. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of people lose is that when you pull that that fridge off the or excuse me the plan off the internet and put it on the fridge, you know what happens when you get sick on the day you were supposed to do a workout or life got in the way or that work meeting ran late and now it's nine o'clock at night and you didn't get your workout in the morning. Yeah. Right. What do you do? Who do you right. go to? That's, that's where my job, you know, becomes valuable and important is that that's a text message. That's where the communication side really opens up. And it's about having someone on your side to be able to say, man, I'm really anxious about this workout or I'm, mm-hmm. you know, how did I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes people just want to go out and run and there's an absolutely space for that. But if people want to level up their performance and they want to dig in and maybe they don't understand all that information, my job right. is also to be a translator. Yeah. 100% man. Like I think what coaches don't understand is the the power in their uh, skill set is clarity. Uh, like man, information's out there. Like, uh, like on you can Google just about anything you want and f- you could get your freaking uh, doctoral degree in engineering, essentially, if you wanted to online, cool. you know? Like the information is there. Uh, it what becomes so much more valuable at this point is clarity of information and clarity of direction and what, what the important steps are to do. It's the clarity of direction that people are really um, missing when they just try to guide themselves through an internet process or try to sift through the data and the information that's out there. It's the same thing with me, man. Like I, I, there's, all kinds of healthcare processes that I have to go and, and consult with, or it doesn't even have to be healthcare. It could be a lot of things, <laughs> you know, uh, we're, we're, we're looking at potentially adding on to the back of our house. And uh, I'm not going to, I could easily look up how to do that on Google, you know, like figure out like, okay, here's how you build a deck on the back. Yet. But I'm going to consult with a person who's been there, done that a thousand times and just expedite the process for me. So I think that's a really undervalued part of coaching that people don't fully understand. And I think what's really cool about it too, we were talking a little bit before the, before we started recording here. I mean, we were talking about our weekends and, I mean, here you're, you're, you're a virtual coach for sure. Um, uh, but, uh, you said how you just went to, you just went out and where are you based out? You're based out of Colorado still, correct? Yeah. Uh, based in Denver, Colorado. Yep. Yeah. And you're talking about how you went out to Arizona to go watch some of your athletes run, man. Cause you hadn't had a chance to see them run in person. Like that's passion of coaching and passion of people that is super rare. So do you do that quite a bit? Like, or, or is that a pretty like unique situation for you? You know, uh, more and more, I'm finding that uh, athletes are finding a, a large amount of value about my attendance, both pre and post event. Um, I think part of it is that you become invested in in the in the process of building this athlete up. A great example is one of my athletes actually lives in Toronto. Um, you know, this last year he cha- trained for an obstacle course race, and so um, you know, I, I I live in a world where I also do some obstacle course. Uh, you know, training for obstacle course racers. Um, cause a lot of it is running with obstacles yeah. thrown in, right. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a by majority running event with strength events kind of dabbled in. Yeah. And, you know, actually this last year we, we missed, we missed the cutoff, uh, for, for Killington, which is a, it's absolutely brutal race. It's 50, it's a 50 K, uh, and it has about 14,000 feet of climbing. So it's 31 miles, 14,000 feet of climbing. And I, I want to say 63 or 61 obstacles there's swimming, you know, there's, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, we, we missed the, the, the cutoff at 18 miles by seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's, there's so many little things that go into that, right? Like, you know, he, he had to change, literally do a physical, uh, clothing change. He ripped his shorts, 
you know, early on in the race. So like we lost a couple minutes there, literally having to change our shorts to, to be a decent human being, um, you know, he cramped up coming out of, um, you know, or getting into the water cause it was so cold. So a rapid change in environment, just those muscles locked up and, you know, had to, had to kind of sit there and kind of doggy paddle, right. Not an yeah. efficient way to get through things. We lost a little bit more time there. And so if we would have just made it on the other side of that, I know that he would have finished the race, but when we sat down and I mean, it was a, a very passionate phone call because He's frustrated because it's the second time he's DNF this race. Yeah. Um, and I felt a huge amount of, I wouldn't call it pressure, but like I now have like a, now I have a, another level of investment in this athlete to want to go back to this race and not just like complete it, but to like crush the living lights out of this race. And so like, we've talked, like, I'm like, I've got my calendar booked. Like I will be in Killington, Vermont for that race in September of 2022 to crew him to be there. But also like, I start to think about that and like emotionally, like I get like goosebumps thinking about him crossing (laughs) that finish line because I also know that it's a year of investment. It's a year of leveling up my game and my thought about how I can help him achieve this goal. Mm -hmm. Um, but also like, I think about this on the youth side, like I work a lot. I have a, a youth program called peak performance running here in golden as well. And like, it's on a smaller level. Like I get four years to help these kids that may have a dream to want to go run in college. Mm-hmm. And so like going and supporting my athletes this last weekend in Arizona, coolest thing I could ever, ever think of is, a uh, you know, Bernard Lagat, five-time Olympian comes up and talks to one of my kids. He's the coach of university of Arizona. And I'm just like, he, like my, the, I watch one of my athletes look up at Bernard Lagat and I'm like, I, I know what you're thinking right now. He's like, this is Bernard Lagat. And I'm like, that's pretty awesome. That's a yeah. pretty cool experience to be Heck able yeah, to be man. recruited and talk with that. And so like on so many different levels, being in there and sharing in the moment as a coach, there's nothing better. Oh, for sure. And like, uh, and to have your coach there, like how awesome is it to like, cause I'm sure there's people that like, I don't know, but answer me this. Is there a, are there athletes that like you haven't met before you, I mean, I'm sure you see him like virtually, but like, and then you see him on race and it's like, Holy shit. That's who you are. You know? <laughs> oh man. Uh, Chicago marathon, 2019. Um, I was there and I met, uh, I had five athletes that I had not met before that I met on race day. I raced that race. Um, it was my 39th marathon. So I'm getting, gotta, I gotta get my 40th COVID messed that all up. Yeah. But, um, I went out there and I had an athlete, uh, from San Francisco. I had an athlete from Washington DC and I had an athlete from Dubai that flew in, um, to come race. And like, we all met up, we did like a shakeout run together excuse me. And also another athlete from Italy. So like I had four athletes, two international all coming together. Um, and so it was like, they all got to meet each other and it's like, Oh, we're all part of this, like kind of group, this brotherhood, we all kind of built each other up that day before that race. And like, it was really cool. Cause they all connected on Facebook after, and like, they still kind of all cheer each other on. And so yeah, it's been a really cool thing to kind of create a, a you know, start to create a community around that. And, um, it's hard to start a virtual community. It's a difficult oh my thing gosh. to do, yeah. but it can also be a beautiful thing that when it does move from the virtual space to the in real life space, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh man, this is so awesome. You're way cooler than I thought you were on the internet. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just hard to, it's hard to do. There's so many like different like cues that we miss when we were, when we were just talking on a screen. Like if you're, I just see like half your torso or you just see like my head essentially. Like uh, it's, it's really hard to get to that deeper level of connection. If you haven't had the opportunity to meet in person, but you said something that's really accurate. I think like uh, it, it's, it's very tough 
to develop trust in an online format. Uh, our, our models are very different right now where uh, my, at Athletes Potential, we're very much so like in person, we're brick and mortar. Uh, we're, we have some digital aspects, but it's not a main portion of our business by any means. Um, so how have you gone about like developing that trust? What was that? I mean, obviously like results matter at some point, right? But um, I, it's, it's not just based off solely results. Like what, what were some of the tactics that you used? You know, I think, I think building trust is, 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 is the hardest thing to do in a virtual yeah. relationship because um, it, it really comes down to, like I said earlier on, is that, you know, I, I have to be invested, not just in the, in the actual physical performance that's going to happen in 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. It's about how are you performing in life? You know, I had an athlete that moved from Washington state, um, you know, down to California, um, and, you know, he's got two new kids and, you know, he's got a, a pretty high level job in a hospital. And I said to him, I'm like, dude, I'm going to give you three weeks of like, you know, 30 miles a week. There's a guy that normally runs like 80. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, he's like, dude, I'll be fine. Yeah. Three weeks turns into six weeks at, you know, roughly 35 to 40 miles a week because I knew that he was moving, which is a major life stress. He's got two new kids, major life stress for sure new job, major life stress. Okay. You got three of the biggest life stresses short of having someone die. (laughs) Yeah. Happening pretty much all at once in a, in a really small timeframe. Yeah. We built trust because my whole job is to think ahead of what's the problem that we're going to have in six weeks, eight weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. So I look at athletes potential. A lot of what you guys do is that usually get somebody at that six to eight week, week mark when they've They've had a problem for the last four to six weeks. Your job is to not just stitch them together, but actually solve the root problem. And so my job as a coach, right? Like you said, is clarity. I'm, I I think of it back to like when, you know, we played like Warcraft as kids or whatever, right? Like as you moved on the map, like Mm -hmm. the fog of the map, like moved back. And I think (laughs) of like, that's part of my job as a coach is like, it's kind of like windshield wipers, right? Like mm-hmm. we're, you're always looking into the sun as an athlete. You can't really always see what's ahead of you. Yeah. And my job is just to occasionally hit the spritz, get those yeah. windshield wipers going and go from like standard definition to high HD, yeah. answer questions and increase the clarity hundred percent. So that's where trust is built is that if I'm doing my job, right, mm-hmm. I'm moving out roadblocks and that's yeah. how we build trust because the yeah. athlete just, they watch themselves improve. Yeah. Now, that's not implicit right? You can't just hire me and expect improvement. Yeah. Right. It's a give and take, right? Yeah. It's a hundred, a hundred, right? Best advice I've received in my life thus far is that relationships are a hundred, a hundred, whether it's your significant other or with your athletes or with your clients, if they're not a hundred percent invested and you're giving a hundred, you feel like you're losing out. If they're giving a hundred and you're not, they feel like they're getting a bad deal. We got to both meet in the middle at a hundred, a hundred. Dude, that's, that's, incredibly accurate and you're spot on with that and people dude uh like patients and, and clients and, and athletes like they'll feel that right away you know uh it's not, you it's hard to fake or you, it's damn near impossible to fake caring for somebody uh and and it's just that it's just exactly what you're talking about if you're not giving 100 to somebody then there's gonna be there's gonna be some rift there and and that goes on both ways for sure yeah it's a it's a tough one but i think um I, I think what you have to do is that you have to, you have to learn how to almost read vocal intonation. Yeah. I can't, you, you can, like, I can read your face right now and say like, they're yeah, pretty good mood. You're having a pretty good day so far, Sure. but I also have to kind of listen to it. The hardest thing I think about the virtual world is 
now we're moving to text messages and we're moving into these other platforms where there is no sarcasm font. There is nothing. <laughs> there's no way for me to tell whether yeah, that'd be great. You should, you should use that program, the engineering pro, uh, background program, a uh, sarcasm font. That'd be great. I, I mean, Hey, this don't, don't steal my ideas, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but right. Like as goofy as it sounds like we've also moved into a world that now that I'm working with a younger generation mm-hmm. um, as well is like emojis and yeah. other, other forms of communication help convey the bigger message here. Like if someone's, if I just read something to, you know, and there wasn't an emoji to follow it that told me, oh, this is supposed to be funny. I'm yeah. supposed to interpret this as, oh, that's a joke. Yeah. Um, it, could have been, it could be really hurtful or it could make me think that this athlete either doesn't take me seriously or they're actually upset with me when they're really just kind of, you know, giving me an elbow nudge and saying, yeah. isn't that funny? Yeah. Like, but if, if that's all we had was written word, be really tough for sure. Be really, really tough because we, we can't move out to third person and be like, Jake was joking when he said to, to Andrew that, and it's just, yeah. right. We lose that. And so communication is the root of trust. I think when it comes down to it and the better you are at coaching, the better you are at asking questions. Yeah, man. So true. And you know, funny story, uh, on the whole, like texting and that getting a joke standpoint, there's a former, uh, uh, athlete of mine. And I, I saw her on, um, Instagram posting like some really cool deadlift that she was doing. Like it was, it was a good weight and like great technique. And you could tell she was pumped up about it. And, and, uh, I sent in a, I sent a, a slid in her DMs. I was like, I was like lightweight, you know, like, uh, like that very common term of like, yeah, good work. You made that weight look light. And she, and she messaged me back. She's like, Hey, you know, like, uh, that was kind of hurtful. Like if we all have to start somewhere. Right. I was like, <laughs> It's like, oh no, you totally misunderstood that. Like lightweight is just a term used in the gym of like, you know, making a weight look uh, easy. You, you made it look light. Yeah. And she's like, oh, so thank God she said something to me though. You know, like, cause if she didn't, now right? she's going to go off in her world thinking I'm a dick, you know? Yeah. And you don't want that. <laughs> right. And like, sometimes it's one, it's sometimes it's a single interaction, right? Yeah. You, you get, you get one interaction. She hasn't heard from you in a long time. Yeah. And right. You know, depending on how you left that relationship with that person, mm-hmm. it's contextual right now. We have like, now there's context that we have to throw into this. And like, I think about that with an athlete, especially when I'm working post-injury, right. Somewhere mm-hmm. that you and I intersect is that I, I almost have to be very conscious of my communication and how I talk with an athlete yep. um, at times because there may be fear, there may be PTSD, there may be some other things there that yeah. I, I, I got to be really careful what I touch on, you yeah. know, um, especially like I've had mountain runners that have had some pretty traumatic falls. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had athletes that um, have had significant bike crashes or things in the past. And so, um, you know, I, I've asked athletes like, hey, you know, I want you to go seek out, you know, get a nice fast road run in. Uh, and they're like, I don't run the roads like mm-hmm. bad interaction for whatever reason with a car or people or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that now becomes, Oh, okay. Yeah. We got we to be careful there. So yeah. yeah, the context of communication is, is tough, especially when we move outside of a verbal spoken visual world. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for sure. And plus like, there's just in general, less grace for people these days, you know, <laughs> like, uh, it's very much, it, I'll digress on that comment, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is tough, man. Like you gotta be, you gotta be really careful, especially in a virtual world. Like, uh, you just, um, it's tough to clarify intent sometimes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, results don't lie, man. You're speaking, it, uh, re- those numbers speak for themselves. Like 
Uh, you guys are doing a lot of really cool things. You're working with a ton of people from all over different ranges of, of skill sets and athleticism. So what would be like a typical process for you? So say, you know, uh, Andrew, my name's Jake. I'd like to become a uh, athlete of yours. What would, what would happen? Yeah. You know, I think first of all, I got to clarify with you, you know, where do you want to work? Right. What do you, what do you want to do? Right. Are you pursuing, pursuing an Ironman triathlon? Uh, you know, do you want to get more physically fit? You want to do that through lifting weights? Um, do you want to train for a marathon? Let's say you want to train for the Boston marathon and you want to work with me. Last marathon you ran was four hours. We got to run three Oh five for your mm -hmm. age group. Right. Mm -hmm. How do we get there? And I yeah. think the first thing is, is right. The first thing we have to do before we talk about what shoes to wear, what food to eat, what clothes to buy is, do you understand the process, mm -hmm. right? Cause it's an iterative process. If you think we're going to go from four hours to three Oh five in one training cycle expectations. So my yeah. first job is to set expectations with you about where are we, where are we going? How do we get there? This yep. may take you running three or four or five marathons mm -hmm. before you go to the, before we get to the, to Boston and qualify. Yep. And yeah. then we still have to go to Boston and do another training cycle to get there. Yeah. Okay. And so we may see a rapid amount of, you know, growth and you may get to 315 and then mm -hmm. you run 312 and then you run 307 and then you finally go 302. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll save people the, the craziness of qualifying for Boston. Cause if you run 304, 59, mm -hmm. you're probably not going to get in. Usually you have to run three yep. or four or five minutes ahead of the standard. Yeah. I digress. So <laughs> that's, that's the first thing is that you have to understand that this may be a years long process to achieve something like this. Yeah. If you just want to run a marathon, great, super easy. It, yep. At least, right? Here's, here's what it yeah. looks like. It's, you know, it's going to be three to four months of training. We're going to build you up to the place where you can comfortably, you know, run at least, you know, 16 to 20 miles, mm -hmm. right? And in, in, a, in a weekend and recover and be able to run again on Monday. Yeah. And right, building a body that's resilient to it. And so a lot of those things, you know, look like, you know, by majority in a training schedule, I want two workouts in a week for somebody. Especially yeah. if they're building up to a marathon, we got to be able to get to 40 miles a week. That's kind of the average benchmark for someone, you know, at their peak level of training. So that's a 20 mile long run. We did, you know, we've got 20 other miles that need to fit into the five days that precede that. Yeah. Now this is again, where someone like you at athletes potential, like I want my athletes to also realize that it's me, but it's a team. We have right. to take a team level approach to this. So, you know, I'm going to enlist someone like you, if I'm wor working with someone that's getting ready, uh, to go race, you know, the Atlanta marathon, um, you know, Houston or whatever, New York, Boston, like I want them, they need to be able to have somebody that's going to help them correct any mechanical inefficiencies, especially right. If I'm coaching you from Denver mm -hmm. and we're doing this whole thing virtually, I want to know who you're working with. Right. Yeah. And, and who's helping you, right? Like I've worked with people like Craig Liebenson out in LA. I've worked with, uh, you know, local people here in Denver to do virtual consults. Um, you know, working with people like yourself to kind of talk through issues, right. We talked yeah. right before this about some athletes have got an issue with anterior pelvic tilt. Yeah. What are some things we can do there? How do we, how do we optimize? But again, it's having a team, it's knowing where you're going and why you're doing it. So yeah. without going into the whole theory of training, yeah. That's kind of the basics, right? And we're going to yeah. sit down in that pro time process, kind of depending on the level you want to work with. What I charge for is my time. At the yeah. end of the day, what I have is my ability to communicate and take time to sit down and have an in-depth conversation one-on-one -on -one with you. Again, mm -hmm. 
no text comments, right? I, I'll have that that's available to ask me quick questions. But if we want to actually get to the root of issues, sit down with my athletes, at least on a biweekly basis mm -hmm. to talk through their training. Where are we going to go these next two weeks before we meet up again? What are our goals? What are our objectives? What are we striving for? Yep. On another level, I sit down with my athletes on a weekly basis. It's the highest level of coaching that I do. Mm -hmm. We sit down and have a physical weekly conversation about how is your training going? What do we need to tackle? And usually this is when we're closest to train, you know, an event, yep. or this is someone that has a really high level of investment in, in their recreational sport. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to help you do the, your hobby the best you can do. Yeah, for sure. Hell yeah, man. Dude, that sounds incredible. So initial consult, get cleared on goals, where you're at, what you're trying to do. How can we get there? Uh, program development is all built out. Uh, throughout your program development, you have uh, continuous contact with you um, in various formats, whether that's a quick question through a text or a biweekly or weekly conversations. And then you go out and you crush your race. Yeah, dude, I'm going to have to call you Cliff, man. You gave me the cliff notes of exactly what my job is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's awesome. So then how would somebody, uh, if somebody's listening to this and, and they would like to reach out to you, learn more about you or uh, learn more about how to become an athlete of yours, what would be the best route for them to do that? You know, I think it really depends on what you enjoyed from this conversation. If you're like, okay, I want to hire this guy for coaching, mm -hmm. uh, lifelongendurance.com uh, is where you can find about myself as well as our other staff coaches. So if you were like, ooh, triathlon, I'm interested in doing my first try. We've got coaches that cover that. Uh, we do both a virtual as, a, as well as uh, local uh, strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're looking for running specifically, go to me. You can search me under coaches uh, on our website. If you like the content that, uh, you know, both Jake and I here uh, had a good time talking about, I put out a lot of content around communication as well as just, you know, how to kind of level up as an athlete and as a coach. And I do that on my Instagram quite a bit. That's kind of what I have found my Instagram to be good for. And that is coach underscore Simmons underscore runs. And I'm glad this is not a video because I actually had to go look at my Instagram name. Um, so uh, just to make sure I got that right. Um, and I'm not on Twitter that much, but um, you know, I, I post a little bit there, uh, but you can mostly find, find me on Instagram. Um, if you're looking, if you're looking for info. Love it, man. Dude, Instagram, it's wild. Uh, I, uh, sadly, um, and admittedly, I am probably quickest to respond to like social media DMS these days than I am to most other forms of communication. You know, so funny, real quick, a uh, side story here. My, I have a, I have a sister who's 16 and I love, and she lives back up in Ohio and I love going up and, and talking with her and just figuring out like where her and her friends are and how they navigate like this world of social media. Uh, cause it's <laughs> wild. Right. Uh, but and it's just a natural progression. I would have done the same thing if I was growing up. I'm 16 right now, but they like texting is old school. Like they don't text really anymore. Like it's all like so Snapchat weird. messaging is what they do. Like, Oh no, I don't, I don't text. Cause oh. before, like it wasn't like, Oh no, I don't call right now. It's not only even text. It's all social media uh, talking or all forms of communication. Well, you know, what's crazy is, um, when I was down in Arizona this last week, I was actually down, uh, watching some of my high school kids race, uh, for any of those that are cross-country nerds they were racing an event called desert twilight and we had planes coming in at different times with athletes yeah and they're all on snapchat together yeah. and like they'll physically go into snap like i didn't know i don't have snapchat i don't care but they'll like go and see where their friends are all over the u.s yeah. and they'll be like oh they just they just landed they just they're at the airport right now yeah like, they're not getting a hold of me but they're at the airport yeah and like like i'm like dude that is that's a whole nother level of weird for me as a coach because i'm like i don't want people knowing exactly where i am Crazy, like we have right? 
but I, but at the same time, like we got into an area where we didn't have service and we were trying to navigate somewhere. And I'm like, I was telling the kids, I'm like, I used to carry an Atlas. Like, can you imagine driving around Phoenix right now? And like having to like have this Atlas, like as you're driving <laughs> and like talk about distracted driving, like, Oh crap. Right. I got to get on the 110, Right. Yeah. Like, and you know, like it was a whole different thing. And like, you didn't have just a GPS telling you, you know, in 200 feet turn, right. Like, yeah, no, you, you had to like, it was scary. Like you would make wrong turns a lot and yeah. you would just assume that before cell phones, you're just going to show up at four 15. And yeah. if you weren't late, yeah, you'd wait 10 to 15 minutes. And if not, you would just move on with your life. Yeah. <laughs> there was no testing anybody that you were going to be late. There was no story about a flat tire. You just moved on with your life yep. and that's okay. And now yeah, we're in man. a completely different, just dialed in knit is together. And there's with that comes expectations. Oh man. So, well, For coaching, sure. Man. Yeah. They expect to get a hold of me. They expect to get a hold of you. And that's 100%. where DMs will get you. DMs will get you because you, you start answering them at nine o'clock at night and that becomes an expectation. Oh man. No, I definitely, I definitely, uh, it's funny. Cause like, yeah, uh, <laughs> setting boundaries is important for sure on that. Um, but yeah, man, well, Andrew, dude, it was awesome. Uh, talking with you, you're doing Absolutely. some really incredible things on the coaching side, some really unique things. Um, and your passion for your athletes is second to none. So, uh, I appreciate you taking some, uh, and crucial time out of your day to get on this podcast with us. Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll put all the, put all your contact info when we post this. So like if anybody listening to this wants to learn anything more about you or reach out to your team, um, they have absolutely have the capability of doing so. Um, so Andrew, man, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank and, uh, we'll you. And soon. Thank you, Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.